You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Y'all have caught us in the middle of a series, y'all, that we're just simply calling Romans, right? We are um, Roman through Romans, and today we will begin at Romans chapter 6. So grab your Bibles. Let's let's look at Romans chapter 6 together. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read for us today verses 1 through 14. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 14 is where we will be today. Y'all, Pastor Baker closed out Romans 5 last week like a pro, right? Such a great word on last week. Uh, that's right. Celebrate God for, our, for, for Pastor Baker. Amen. Grateful for him and, and his dynamic preaching, right? I just pray that the Lord will give me just a little bit of the juice he got, right? <laughs> Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is where we are. And I'll begin reading for us at verse 1. Here it is. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Hallelujah. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Christ. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Such is the reading um, of the word. The word of the Lord is blessed. You may grab your seats this morning. So we look, y'all, at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. I want to preach today from the following question or the following thought, how to live the Christian life. How to live the Christian life. Now, as we look at this, these 14 verses, 
today, I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with yourself and process the following question. And as you process this question, I want you to process it not from a place of perfection, but from a place of full submission to the Lord and what he wants for your life. And be honest with yourself. Do you ever struggle with the reality of living for the Lord? Like, I, like, I, I mean, I, I, we all know, right, that we ought to live our life pleasing to the Father. But let's be honest. Do you ever struggle with that? Maybe you're watching everybody else and it seems like they having fun in the sun, enjoying all this other stuff. But you, being a genuinely converted, blood-bought believer, do you ever struggle with living for the Lord? Do you ever, uh -um, ever struggle, right, with what it really means to be obedient to the Father? Maybe you don't struggle with what it means, but maybe you just really wrestle through, right? Lord, I know I belong to you. I know I'm supposed to live for you, but how do I continue? If you had to make a list of why um, you found it hard even sometimes to live for the Lord, what would be at the top of your list? I'm not talking about the list of your neighbor. I'm not talking about why other people struggle to live for the Lord. I'm talking about your list. Your life, what, why is it hard for you? If we're honest, y'all, each of us at some point or another have had to wrestle through the realities of living for the Lord. We've had to wrestle through the realities of living this Christian life because let's be honest, sometimes your past is just like a monkey on your back and you just can't shake it. Not only because other people won't let you forget about it, but you were just so comfortable with who you used to be that the new you seems so unfamiliar. But you find it difficult, right? For whatever reason, you find yourself triggered by different things or triggered by different people. Really, that if we're honest, it pushes us to revert back to old ways which really aren't comparable to your new life in Christ. Right. Even if you do fall back in the old habits, find yourself falling back, stumbling over issues that you thought you have overcome. Let me remind you of verse 14 in this chapter. You are no longer under law, but you are now under grace. Therefore, the grace of God has been extended to you, giving you freedom from what you thought was a monkey. But just a reminder of how much God has delivered you. Hear this today. I want you to know that we live for Christ, hear this, by living in Christ. We live for Christ by living in Christ. And that's the main point today, right? I'm going to help you to see here, right, from, from Romans 6 verses 1 through 14, right, that we live for Christ by living in Christ. Let me, let me free you today. Do you know that living the Christian life, has nothing to do with you living for Christ. But it has everything to do with Christ living his life through you. We, we, we have, if we're honest, been struggling in this life because we've been trying to do it. 
We've been trying to do it on our own. We've been trying to live the Christian life in our own strength, right? But, but, but you must learn, you must grab the reality, my brother, my sister in Christ, right? That living the Christian life has nothing to do, right, with you living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life through you. What does that mean? It means that the more and more you avail yourself for, for Jesus to live his life through you, the more you can live for him in his power and not your own. We live for Christ by living in Christ. Well, what does this mean, right? To live in Christ or to be in Christ means that you are in relationship with him. It's not just a static status. It is a living relationship. Living in, listen, do you know that living in relationship with Jesus changes everything about you? You will grow into all that he says is true of you. And being in Christ is more than just a status. It's a relationship, right? And as we live in Christ, we change. As we live in Christ, we grow. As we live in Christ, we become new people. Everything changes when you are in Christ. Your relationship with God changes. Your character changes. Your relationship with people changes who we are and what we do in the world. It changes our eternal destiny. It changes when you're in Christ. You no longer live to see your name on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but you live to see him made famous. Everything about you changes. It's all new. This doesn't happen because your name is on a church roll. Let me tell you, you know, you being in relationship with you, you being in Christ doesn't happen. The change that you're looking for does not happen um, because your name is on a church roll any more than you get in shape because you got a gym membership. It happens because you live in Christ. We live for Christ by living in Christ. Think about it this way. If someone were to ask you, or, or what if a believer were to ask you, what must I do to, to live a Christian life? Or what must I do to walk in the newness of life, y'all? Can you give an answer? We should be able to give an answer really from God's word. And the answers right to that we find right here in Romans 6. But before we even get to it, we got to wrestle through the tragedy. There's a tragedy. What's grieving, y'all, is that so many followers of Jesus fail to understand God's principles of victory and holiness. We, we, we many times fail really to understand God's principles of not only victory, but holiness, right? Because we think it's about what we do. But no, God is not calling you to do for him as much as he's calling you to be with him. Right. We we fail to understand God's principles for victory and holiness. Instead of following God's principles, y'all, we follow all of these fleshly schemes and carnal methods. Right. We try all these self-help techniques. We try self-discipline techniques. We try that we, we, we even confess sin. Now, now, understand this. Right. If you was here Wednesday night, I'm not out by any stretch of imagination saying that confession it's bad because scripture is good. Scripture or confession is good. Confession is right. In fact, 
Scripture tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession of sin is good and right, but the confession, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to stop the sinning, and the sinner falls into this, this, this process of sin, confession, sin, confession, sin, confession cycle, constantly confessing sin, but never able to forsake the sin. Why? It's because we trying to forsake sin in our own strength. We struggle, right? We work at it. We strive to do better, etc. But, but hear this. It's always the same old story. It has the same. And do you know when you go through this process and you never surrender to the Lord, the ending is always the same. Defeat. It's defeat. Or, or let me give you another word, right? Um, the word defeat in the Michael Standard translation is insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. But do you know that if you want a different result, you got to trust in a different person? If you want a different result, you can't keep trusting in yourself, but you have to lay your affections at the feet of the one who's eternal. You have to lay your affections, lay your attentions. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and say, you know what, God? This is hard to let go, but by your strength, I'm taking my hands off. When you really want to let it go, your prayer changes from God, remove this to God, even if you got to break my fingers, I cannot continue to hold on to this. Right? Hear this. Paul, Paul says in Romans 7, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold unto sin. For I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in the flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That tells me, right, that as I want to let this thing go and live the Christian life, I can't let go of it on my own. I got to surrender to the Lord. As we really look at Romans 6 today, we see Paul making a, a, a great transition from speaking to the church at Rome about justification, being made right with God, to switching to another doctrine, sanctification. He here, right, begins to address a total new different doctrine, right, for us to process and think through. He goes from justification to sanctification. Now, I know, right, again, that we have become a people that don't like doctrine because it's too big. We can't pronounce it. It's too many letters, right? Folks argue and divide over doctrines. But the more and more you read the word, you learn to love doctrine because you know who doctrine represents. The more and more you begin to take in the scriptures and allow the word of God to mold and shape your heart, do you know that if the word of God shapes your heart, it also affects your thinking? Right? So, so you begin to fall in love with doctrine because you know who it represents. Now, now, I'm not saying put doctrine before the doctrine giver. I'm saying that having a biblical view of doctrine and what the word of God means helps you to process things that we would normally avoid. So he begins to talk about this doctrine, sanctification. And I want you to know that sanctification is the process of God's by which a genuinely converted, blood-bought believer is separated from sin and becomes dedicated to God's righteousness. 
Sanctification is a process that separates you from sin and causes you then to be dedicated to righteousness. Can I just be honest, y'all? We can't do that on our own. Like, it, it, why, why? one of the reasons why sanctification is difficult for us is because for whatever reason, we've been taught that sanctification is not a process. We, we've been taught that the moment you give your life to Christ, everything changes. Let me tell you this. When you give your life to Christ, your destination changes. <laughs> but everything else is a process. You don't just give your life to Christ and go home and all your bills paid. You don't just give your life to Christ and everything about your history, people forget it. You don't just give your life to Christ, right, and all of a sudden every wrong thing you've done, right, has been erased. I mean, it has spiritually, right, because God has made you new, but your neighbor don't forget that you've been cussing him out. Right? Your coworker don't forget that you've been coming back to work from lunch drunk. Your spouse just don't automatically forget that you done cheated six times and had six babies. No, right? You being made right with God, you being justified and living that out is a process where God is working in your life, separating you not only from sin, but how you identify with sin and helping you to become one that is now dedicated to the righteousness of God. Well, how is this accomplished, right? It's accomplished by the word of God and Holy Spirit, and it results in holiness, right? Let me tell you, right, sanctification, God's power working through the process of sanctification, it purifies, meaning that it makes us clean. It frees us from the guilt and power of sin. Jesus, I love it. Jesus had a lot to say about sanctification. Even John 17, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Here it is. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus said that they, speaking of believers, they aren't of the world, neither am I. He said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Well, how does one become sanctified? How does one, right, divorce themselves from sin and become dedicated to the righteousness of God? It's the word, right? Y'all heard that old song, one word away, one word away. We're going to bleep that part out, let the word do the work. We got to let the word do the work. Believers are set apart for God and his purposes alone so that believer does not only want what God wants. But do you know that as you walk through the process of sanctification, you not only want what God wants, but you begin to hate what God hates. Sanctification, y'all, is accomplished by means of truth, and truth is the scriptures, right? I love it, right? Because you even see, right, 1 Peter 1, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, 
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of God remains forever. What am I saying, right? It, when you go through the process of sanctification, right, um, to live for Christ is living in Christ. Temporal things does not provide lasting satisfaction. Sanctification is brought about by our obedience to the eternal truth that is revealed to us through the scriptures. Holy Spirit uses the word of God to sanctify us. Holy Spirit uses the word of God to produce life within us. Holy Spirit uses the word of God working through the truth of the gospel that saves us, that sanctifies us, that cleanses us, that purifies us, that redeems us. Us, that sets us free. Church, when you are a genuinely converted, blood-bought believer, in other words, when you are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are free from sin. And because of the truth of the gospel, the finished work of Christ, we are no longer bound to our sin, but we are free to live in Christ. We're free to live in Christ. Thank God for his truth. His power works through his word. And because his power works through his word, there's a question, right? It's a question that we got to wrestle through here. Well, how do I live the Christian life then? If, if I'm not bound to my sin, how do I live this Christian life? If God's power is working through his word, then as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, what do I do to live this Christian life? As we examine these 14 verses of Romans 6, there's four, four things that happens to us to live this Christian life or four things that we got to do. Like you want to live a Christian life? He gives us four actions here when we are in Christ. Four actions right here, right, um, that are made to help us as believers live the Christian life. Look at the first three verses in Romans 6, right? Pastor Darren, here's what he says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He's actually, Pastor Baker, uh, I think that right here, Paul kind of turns into Kevin Hart a little bit, a comedian, right? Well, what he's really saying here is that, what shall, what, what, should, what, what should we say? Are we to continue in sin and misappropriate the grace of God? Then he answers himself. Man, no, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? <laughs> Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If you are free in Christ, if you've been delivered from the consequence of sin, why are you comfortable in it? Why are you comfortable watching it? Why are you comfortable listening to it? If you have been freed from sin, why do you keep covering for your sin and the sin of others? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Well, how do I live the Christian life? Here's your first point, right? Number one, you want to live the Christian life? Don't continue to live in sin. Now hear this. God is not telling us here that we will be sinless. He says, the more you live in Christ, you will sin less. 
in living the Christian life. You can't continue to live in sin. Just because God has extended grace to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son does not give you a sin license. You do not have a license to continue to live in sin, doing things your own way. And then when you feel guilty, it's almost like that. Y'all know, right, Monopoly, right, the game that takes forever, <laughs> right? You, you land on chance, right? Then you get, you get your get-out-of-jail-free card and you put it under your money, right, so that whenever you get locked up, you just throw it on the table, I get out free. That, that's, that's what we tend to try and do with grace, right? I'm going to do whatever I want to do. But as soon as, right, I get convicted or feel guilty for what I did, I throw out this grace card, right? We've been duped by Steve Harvey. Don't trip. God ain't through with me yet. Wait a minute. Right? You're right. He's not through with you yet, but don't make excuses for your sin. We cannot continue to sin, right? He has not given us a license to sin. Okay, well, come here, Titus 2. Here it is. For the grace of God has appeared. When the grace of God appeared, what does it do? Titus 2, he says, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce, meaning deny ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Christ did not just give his life right for you to, for you to just say you got grace and live any kind of way. No, he you are, right, being trained in Christ, bringing salvation to you, training you to deny those things that are separating you from God. Think about it, right? We sing that Tasha Cobb song, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. We should sing that song, but while we singing the song, as soon as it's over, I hear the chains falling. We're looking for super glue to put the chain back together. But understand this. Salvation comes to us through Christ, and it's transforming, and this transformation, this new birth, produces new life in which the power of sin has been broken. If you really want to be successful in this Christian life, you cannot continue to live in sin and think that all is well. There's no way that you can live in Christ, say you belong to Jesus, and find yourself comfortable in sin. Let me tell you this. Success is not determined by how the world sees having the best. Our success cannot be determined by what the world sees. Right? You're successful if you got the best car. You're successful if you got the best clothes. Successful if you got the most money, most power, most respect. No, success is determined not by what the world says, but based on our obedience to Christ. And if you want to be successful in this life, Number one, you cannot continue to live in sin and remain comfortable. When King David was about to die, he gave his son, y'all remember when he was about to die, right? King David uh, was about to die, and he gave his son Solomon advice. He said, do what the Lord your God commands and follow his teaching. He says, obey everything written in the law of Moses. Then you will be a success no matter what you do or where you go. That's first Kings chapter two. Notice, y'all, that David didn't tell his son, right? Uh, go build up your own kingdom with great armies and gather wealth from all the other lands. He didn't say um, go into war and defeat all your enemies. 
Instead, he gave him a biblical formula for success, right? Follow God and obey him. You want to live the Christian life? Don't continue to live in sin, right? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. You want to live this Christian life and be successful in it? Follow God and obey him. Scripture tells us to flee sin. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And guess what happens? He'll flee from you. Well, pastor, why does it always feel like the devil is chasing after me? Because you ain't resisting him. You got to resist him and he'll flee. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know that that's why we always say you got to have a prayer life. You got to have a devotional life. You got to spend time with God. You got to learn to just be with God, right? Because the more you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And here's your shout. Light and darkness can't dwell in the same place. It can't, right? The more you draw near unto God, he will then draw near unto you and those things that are not like him will flee from you because there's no room for it in your life. Hear this. We got to learn that living for Christ is living in Christ, right? And, and we must not, we must not continue to live in sin. You want to live a Christian life? Don't continue to live in sin, number one. Not only must we not continue to sin, to live in sin, right? Uh, but number two, you got to walk in the newness of life. You got to walk in the newness of life. The Lord didn't just save you just for you to walk around, do the same old things and say you saved. He says, walk in the newness of life. Watch what he says. Verse four, <laughs> we were buried, therefore with him, hear this, Mike, by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, this word walk, right, brings us to our English word, which is simply behave, right? He says here that, Father, we too might behave, walk, our character, our integrity is shaped by the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. It says, yep, he, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're made well. And because of this you can know that while your sin may try to drag you, you've been set free and brought near by the blood of the cross. I don't have to continue to live and be who I used to be because in Christ I'm made new and I can walk like it. I can talk like it. Yeah, I can live like certainly if my God is powerful enough for me to ask for a car he give it to me he's powerful enough to renew my tongue certainly if I talk to God right and he's able to renew my mind right certainly he can change my character my behavior he can give me integrity he can give me wisdom to make the right choices I'm gonna walk in the newness of life see understand this to walk in newness of life is not only living a resurrected life it's not uh, 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 not only living a released life and a revived life, right? It also, y'all, means that we must live a righteous life. 
We are to be instruments of righteousness, which God can use to do his righteous works in the world. Hear this. A life that is yielded to the Lord becomes a powerful tool in the hands of God. I'm sure. I'm sure that we all know how important good tools and instruments are to us. Right. (laughs) I remember, right, I was doing some work at the house. Right. And I called everybody's handyman. Lawrence Baker, he can fix anything with the right tools. I remember he said, I called him, I needed to do something, and he said, hey, man, what are you using to do this? I said, man, well, I got this, I got that, I got this. He said, well, your first problem is you ain't got the right tools. He said, you can get the job done right if you use the right tools. The right tools in the hand of somebody who know what they're doing is a powerful tool that can get the job done. Well, do you know that you in the hands of the Father, right, you being a tool in the hands of the Father is enough for him to get the job done, right? With the right utensils and a good cook or chef, y'all, we can prepare a good, tasty, nutritious meal in a very short time. I just don't know how my wife does it. But she does her thing, right? Yesterday, she's been raving since this past week about Berea tacos, Right. And she was talking about it. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. She said, babe, I'm about to make me some. You want some? I said, no. Mm-mm. She said, why? I said, because it's tacos. Nobody wants flat bread with. No, I don't want no tacos. Right. Then she said, wait. If I make one, would you try it? <sighs> yes. So next thing I know, she like, if you ain't going to eat it then just don't eat it. And I said, babe, I didn't even hear you say it was ready. She said, I've only said your name three times, so within five minutes it was ready. And it was fine. What am I saying, right? Because she knew what she was doing and the meat and the sauce was in her hands, it was able to get done quick and it was nutritious. Now, if it was in my hands, that taco would have became a quesadilla. What, what, what am I saying here, right? When the right tools is in the right person's hands, right? It, it, the right things are done with it. It's the same with your life. What's the tool? Your life. Whose hands should it be in? It ought to be in the Lord's hands. And when your life is in his hands, you can walk in the newness of life. When your life is in the hands of the Lord, you can make it through anything, right? When your life is in the hands of the Lord, right, you can make it through any situation because it's by his spirit that you're able to walk through the newness of life. We as believers, y'all, we are united by faith with Jesus. His death, his burial becomes ours. Therefore, we must walk in the newness of life that was provided to us by this sacrifice that he made for us. And when you are in Christ, you have a new quality, a new character, a new principle to your life. When you have responded to the gospel call, sin no longer has power over you. When you have responded to the gospel. Yeah, your past exists, but just as a reminder for you to tell folks, look how far God has brought me from. When you are in Christ, you are no longer under the control or the dominion of sin, right? I love, right, how Ezekiel 36 puts it. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put, deposit my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. If any man be in Christ, scripture said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things are made new. And because I'm made new, because I no longer identify with who I used to be, God has rewritten my story. Therefore, I must walk like him, talk like him, behave like him, live like him. In the newness of life, y'all, we must live according to his word. You want to live for Christ? Live in Christ. That's how you live the Christian life, by living in Christ. He says, you want to live the Christian life? Okay. Don't continue to sin. Walk in the newness of life. But then he tells us something else in verse 8. Watch what he says. For if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Right. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death. He died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. You want to live the Christian life? How do I live it? Number one, don't continue to sin. Number two, walk in the lunacy of life. And number three, live with Christ. Let me ask you this. What's taking up residence in your heart? What or who have you given your affections to? If it's not Christ, you're not living with him. You may be living for him, but you're not living with him. And if you're not living with him, you're not living in him. We must live with Christ. He says that if we have died with Christ, that we will live with him as genuine believers, y'all. Not only will we live in the presence of Christ for eternity, but also, y'all, that all who have died in Christ will live a life here that is fully consistent with his holiness. Now, I know, right, that some of us have been taught that holiness was the church where the women can't wear pants. Holiness is the shouting church. Holiness is a loud church around the corner. But holiness has nothing to do with clothes, but everything to do with the life of the blood ball. Right? Hear this. Since you've been regenerated, meaning, hear this. Since you've been generated, meaning made new, right? Where we got to change your place to regenerate it. Since you've been generated, made new, transformed, or reformed by the Spirit of Christ, y'all. Our Christ is our example, and we got to live with him. We got to live like him. We got to live in him. Our life must be consistent with his holiness. Everything that Christ did pointed to his Father. Everything that Christ did gave glory to God, and we alike should do the same. Who does your life point to? Who gets the glory out of your decisions? You? Or does God get the glory? Everything that we say should point to God. Everything we do, just like Christ, should bring glory to the Father. To live with Christ says, everything that I say, everything that I do, I want to ensure that God is getting the glory out of my life. You know, to glorify God is to extol him, to, to celebrate his attributes, to celebrate his holiness, his 
faithfulness, his mercy, his grace, his love, his majesty, his sovereignty, his power, his superior knowledge and wisdom, his omniscience. No matter what this life presents to us, church, since we have died with Christ, we must also live with him and in him. And all that we do should bring him glory. I love, right, Paul talking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, right? He tells us our purpose. He says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Meaning that even in my Christian liberty, as well as the most common behaviors, it should be done to honor God. We must live with Christ. Paul even said to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. You must live with Christ. When we trust Christ for our salvation, we spiritually participate with the Lord in his crucifixion and his victory over sin and death. Our old self is dead and our new self has the privilege of Christ indwelling in us and living with us and in us. And because we die with him, we live the Christian life. We live with him. You want to, how do I live this Christian life? Understand this, by living in Christ. Hear this, living the Christian life has nothing to do with you living for Jesus, but everything to do with Jesus living his life through you. And if Jesus is living his life through you, the product of that is you living for him. It says, right, so we, we flipped it on his head. Well, let me live for Christ, and then he'll live in me. No. How about you let Christ live in you first and let, your, let who, you, who you are to be be birthed out of who he is in you and live in a Christian life. Hear this. We must not continue to be controlled by sin. We must walk, behave in the newness of life. Know that, like, believer. You've died with Christ, therefore you've died in Christ. So you must live with Christ. He must live in you. You got to walk in the newness of life. And finally, number four here is you want to live the Christian life. Hopefully this fourth point is freeing for people who've been controlled by their past for so long. Hear this. You living under grace. You living under grace. First, don't continue to sin. Don't continue to sin. Walk in the newness of life, number two. Number three, live with Christ. And number four, know that you are now living under grace. Watch what he says, verse 11 in the text. So you also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey his passions. What he's saying there is stop letting sin roam rent-free in your heart. You don't have to consent, continue to be controlled by sin and obeying the passions of it, right? I know it feels good, but just because it feels good don't mean you got to do it. Let, let me help you see this a different way. Honey buns are good. Hallelujah. 
but I can't eat them. I can't give in to the passion, right? I'm learning to like vegetables, right? We had our elders retreat last year. We get there, we go grocery shopping. Pastor Baker with his super safe self going to tell uh, Pastor Chef, who's Pastor Darren, we're going to grill some vegetables. I said, the devil is a lie. But right now, I can't wait to go and retreat to eat some vegetables. Right? Why? Because my taste buds have changed. Right? Now, here's the thing. My taste buds have changed, but sometimes there's somebody sweet like Grace who give me a Jolly Rancher. I got to eat it because Grace gave it to me. But I ain't going to fall back into old habits. I'm going to replace it with some broccoli or something later. My taste buds have changed, but I ain't going to die from eating a Jolly Rancher. Right? What am I saying? There's grace. You don't have to continue to be controlled by your sin. Do you know that if God is telling you you don't have to be controlled by your sin, you don't have to also be weighed down by the reminder of your sin. You live in grace. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Most of us have been asking ourselves a question If my old self, the old me, is dead, why is there continually a struggle with sin? And how can a new me become dominant? I love how he answers the question here in the text. Paul exhorts, he encourages us by saying, consider yourself dead to sin. To consider refers to having an absolute, unreserved confidence in what one's mind knows to be true. The confident assurance that affects our actions and decisions. He's not telling us here to play mind games with ourselves. He's urging us to embrace by faith what God has revealed to be true. Now, y'all know Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there are any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think on, meditate on these things. If we think on and embrace the truth that is revealed to us through God's word, we all, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can become dominant over sin. He says in verse 13, for us to not go on presenting the members of our body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present ourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. To present refers, y'all, to a decision of the will or a desire. Before sin can have power over believer, it must first pass through our desire. Scripture tells us this way. (laughs) We're drawn away by our own lust and entices. We are enticed by our own evil desires. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. That means, right, like think about it. If I'm drawn away from the Lord by what's on the inside of me, when I begin to see myself being pulled away from the Lord, whatever it is pulling me away, I got to cut it off. 
if sexual sin is my problem, I got to watch what I, I got to be mindful of what I watch on TV. Right? If drinking too much is my problem, then I got to make sure that I ain't hanging around people who all they do is drink, drink, drink. Right? If my problem is lying just to make myself seem better, then I got to remind myself of the truth of the scriptures. Man's fallen nature has the propensity to strongly desire whatever sin will satisfy. Therefore, we must yield ourselves 100% to Christ. Through, through Christ, y'all, is the power to have victory over death. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, sin will no longer master over us if we fully place our faith in Christ. Sin does not reign within us, y'all. This doesn't suggest, y'all, that we're perfect, but whether it reminds us that we must surrender ourselves to the one who is perfect. We are no longer under law, but we are under grace. The law was good. The law is good. The law um, is righteous, but it couldn't be kept right because of our sin nature. And since the law can't assist us in keeping God's standard, the law shows us God's standard and thus rebukes or condemns those who fail to keep it. But as believers, y'all, we are no longer under law as a condition of acceptance to God. The law is there to show us our sinfulness. We are now under grace which enables us to truly fulfill the scriptures. Grace is favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth or the merit of the one who receives it in spite of what they might deserve. Because of our sin nature, y'all, we can only see perfection when we meet Christ at the second coming. But while we are here in this life, the law shows you your sin. But grace not only helps us to fulfill God's commands, but it also shows us that we've been redeemed through what Jesus did for us on the cross. Hopefully that's freeing for you. Because of our own merit, we couldn't fulfill the law. But God, hear this. In your own merit, because of your own, in your own strength, you couldn't fulfill the law. But God, extended his grace to us through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And as we live this Christian life, you can strive for perfection because of grace. You can aim to please God even when you mess up because grace is available. We will never make it. But God daily covers us with grace so that we can fulfill his requirement. How do you live this Christian life? By ensuring that you don't continue to live in sin, being controlled by it. By living according to the scriptures, walking in this newness of life. By living with Christ, ensuring that he is being glorified with all you do. We live this Christian life by experiencing the grace that has, that has been extended to us through Christ. Understand this. Honestly, living a Christian life sometimes is hard. But Jesus gave his life on the cross, was buried in the borrowed tomb, and rose from the grave so that you can experience grace to live in relationship with the Father. Thank you 
for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.